The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. It's good to see you all. This is very, very strange being up here. For those of you who are watching from home, we're glad that you can join us. Thanks to our amazing team that have actually made this possible. Um, you guys are awesome. So that's why I have to stand up here because they said the lighting is better. It's a challenge being dark skinned. What can you do? So this is for your benefit, people at home. And I don't like normally standing this far away, but it's probably a good thing because I tend to spit when I preach. People who sit in the front row know that. My family knows that. So it's probably a good, safe distance away. Well, we're journeying through our series called Together. Um, it's kind of a weird series to be doing when we're separated. Um, but I, I, I appreciated the irony, so I, named, I, I called it Together. Um, but I wanted us to be thinking about what it means to be community. Uh, because it is challenging to think about what community looks like when we're all isolated. But that's one of the things that I love about PCC, and I think PCC does really well, and I think is at the heart of what makes our church great, community. And uh, lots of practical ways that that expresses itself, and people who are newer to our church uh, have commented on how some of the practical things we do as a church community really impacts them. And so, you know, I think I, I want to keep investing into this core value and, and getting better at it and getting it, uh, you know, being richer in our experience of community. Because I, I think it's one of the defining hallmarks of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Jesus said, by your love will people know that you're my disciples. And so I, I want us to showcase Jesus to the world by just loving each other better, um, really, really well. I remember uh, talking to my supervisor a little while ago um, about her, her previous senior minister. And she said, look, you know, he, he wasn't the best preacher and, you know, he wasn't a great leader and, and uh, a whole bunch of other challenges. But he said one thing that he achieved in his time at our church is when he finished as the senior minister, we were a more loving church than we were when, than when he started. And I thought, that, that's a good legacy to leave behind. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to make it my legacy. I want PCC to be a, a, a richer community when we're gone than when we got here. And we're doing great. And so I'm really excited. I can finish up pretty soon. You know? <laughs> um, if you've been a part of PCC for a while, you know I love uh, growing to love even more and more mountain biking. It's the thing that I talk a lot about next to talking about Jesus. And... Uh, I've been experiencing different kinds of riding. Um, when I first started out, I was always riding uh, with my riding buddy, Ed, who's not here today, so shout out to Ed. Um, Ed's taught me everything I know about mountain biking up until this point, um, and I love riding with him. Uh, sometimes I can't keep up with him because he's a lot fitter and he's been riding a lot longer, and so it's a bit intimidating riding with Ed, but I feel very safe riding with Ed, and Dash feels very safe riding with Ed uh, when I ride with Ed. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't even ride with me. I don't, she would never ride with Ed. Um, but 
after having learned a few things and been taught a few things by it, I've ventured out on my own. And I want to tell you, there's something very nice about riding on your own. Because I don't have to worry about keeping up with anyone. I don't have to worry about, you know, Ed getting to the top of the hill about half an hour before me and waiting for me to, you know, kind of get up there. You know, I can take a break when I want. I can stop and sit and admire nature without Ed thinking, this guy has lost the plot. He's just sitting there not doing anything. Why are we not riding? We came riding. Why are we sitting? Um, I don't worry about any of that. I can just do whatever I want to do. And that's the thing. Like, sometimes being alone has a lot of benefits to it, right? And those of you who live on your own, you know what that's like. You can have things where you want them. You can do things your way, and you don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks or anybody else's preference. You can just do what you want to do whenever you want to do that. But in Sri Lanka, when I was riding, I was thankful that I had a riding buddy because I came off my bike. And, you know, many of you saw the bandages that I had for a while, and I grazed my, my limbs quite badly. And I was so grateful that I wasn't riding alone that there was somebody there to get help. And he got me to help. He, he cleaned up my wounds. It was like the Good Samaritan. You know, and again, interesting, right? That guy was traveling on his own, and he fell among thieves. There's something powerful about that. And I think when you go to Scripture, you, you realize from the very beginning of the Bible, God says, it's not good to be alone. It's not good to be alone. See, sometimes we can think that, you know what, being alone is not so bad. And then something happens and we realize how much we need community and we need others. And God intended it that way. He brought us into a family. And I, I want to share with you um, a passage that is probably quite familiar to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And you'd know this because it's often read at weddings. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we're going to start reading uh, from verse 8 to verse 12. And I, I want us to really, in this series, really get our head around more and more what Christian community ought to be like. Because I think if we really understood it and, and, and understood more about how God intended it and created it to be, we would invest into it. Because that's the thing about community. I can't make it happen. I, I can't do it. I can preach about it, I can, I can tell you how great it is, I can you know, show you from Scripture how important it is, I can do all of that, but I can't do any more than that to make community happen. It has to take each one of us being willing to invest into it, every single one of us. That's how it becomes a richer, stronger, healthier, more vibrant Christian community. And my hope is, in, in today's message and in our series, that we would get so excited about God's idea about community that we go, you know what, I want that. You know that old commercial of the shampoo when she's getting this massage and somebody comes in and goes, I want what she's having? That's what I'm hoping this series will do. That when we, we understand it and we get it and we see it, we go, I, I want more of that. I want community that way. And I know it's going to be hard and I know it's going to be difficult and I know it's going to be challenging, but I want it because anything else is not worth it. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4 we're going to read from verse 7, and again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. Now, this verse never gets read at weddings. When it starts at verse 9. <laughs> there was a man all alone. This is really depressing, but Ecclesiastes is pretty depressing. He had neither son nor brother, 
there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. This is the, the wedding part. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down off their mountain bike, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. All right, four very, very simple thoughts. First one, being alone is, in the words of Ecclesiastes, a meaningless and miserable business. Being alone is meaningless and miserable. It's not how God intended humanity, not how God created humanity to live. And that's why the writer is, is so bleak. Now, I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced the kind of aloneness that verse 8 is talking about, this aloneness of not having anyone to share life with, not have anyone to work for, to share my wealth with, to just even enjoy life with, to be completely alone. Um, on, when was it? Thursday, we had a funeral for Wendy um, Lasalas that some of you may know and remember. And I've been to many funerals, and that was by far the smallest funeral I've ever attended. There was 10 people there. And I have friends who are also pastors who do, um, who do funerals as part of their, their ministry and their work. And they've told me stories of doing funerals where there's nobody there. It's just a funeral director and them. I, I can't imagine that. But when you do, you can see why the writer of Ecclesiastes says, aloneness like that, where you have nobody in the world, where nobody attends your funeral, where nobody cares that you're gone, that you're not alive anymore, is truly miserable and is truly meaningless. So praise God after that bleak introduction that God calls us to something far better and far richer. So in verse 9, the writer says, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Now again, let's be real. If you've been a part of a church for any length of time, if you've been married for any length of time, if you've been in a friendship for any length of time, there might be reason for you to question that statement. <laughs> two are better than one, really? Really? Because, let's be honest, like, I'm sure like me, you've thought, man, the world would be such a wonderful place if it wasn't for other people screwing it up all the time. Or maybe, you, let's make it more personal, you might think, you know, PCC would be such a great church if just that person wasn't there. But maybe the problem isn't other people. Maybe the problem is right here. It's you. It's me. How crazy that God who created us knowing that we were flawed and broken and sinful still brings us together and says two are better than one. There was a story told about this Christian guy who was shipwrecked and ended up on a deserted island all by himself. Now some of you go, oh wow, bliss. It was a paradise all by himself. And he was there for a few years surviving on his own. Eventually a rescue boat comes onto the island 
and they find this guy, and they're amazed at how much he, how he survived, and all these structures that he'd built. He'd, they saw three structures on this island that he'd made out of bamboo and leaves, and they were really impressed. And they asked him, he said, what are these structures? And he pointed to the first one and said, well, that's my house, that's where I live. And they said, what's that other one on the hill? And they said, oh, he said, that's my church, that's the church I go to. And they said, well, what's the other one over there? He said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. Yet, Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. Community, relationships, being together is messy. And he tells us that, right? Two are better than one. He says that they have a good return for their labor. Community and being together and being in relationship is a labor. Now, the only other time we use that word often is when somebody's about to have a child. You go into labor. Doing community is like going into labor. It's hard work. And you've got to push some stuff out, and it's painful, and there's blood and gore and a whole bunch of horrible, nasty things that nobody should really see more than once in their life, maybe twice, or however many times you've had kids, because that's all much of the trauma you can take. It's messy. It's painful. And the writer says, it's going to be like that, but it's still better. Two are still better. There's going to be some labor. There's going to be some pain. Yes, you're going to have to consider other people's preferences. And that's been the best part about online church, right? You can have the temperature set to your perfect temperature. You can have the volume set to your perfect volume. Monica knows what I'm talking about. She's laughing. She's going, yes, online church has been amazing. All right? I'm not irritated by the tall person in front of me. I don't have to keep leaning like that. The whole it's awesome. But two are better. But it's going to take labor. But the writer promises us, but there's a good reward. There's a good reward for the effort that it's going to take. And so, yeah, we'll need to consider each other. We'll need to give way to each other. We'll need to, as Scripture says, honor each other above ourselves. We, we need to be gracious and loving. We need to, you know, not lash out when somebody cuts us off at the coffee line, when we're desperate for our caffeine. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of how people irritate us. And God says, two are better. You'll get a good reward if you put in the effort for it. Well, what is the reward? Well, he goes on to tell us that, you know, there are three things that flow out of doing community well. Three amazing benefits. And they're in verse 10, 11, and 12. In verse 10, he talks about this idea of falling down. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. See, this is the thing. At some point, we'll all fall. At some point. Whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, the wheels will fall off the bus at some point. And the writer says, that's why being in community is better, because if you were alone, you'd have no one to pick you up. The guy who got beaten up on the road to Jericho had no one, which is why he got beaten up. And he needed that, the other, the Samaritan, to come along and pick him up. Because when you're alone, when you're really alone, you have no one. You know, like you, you've heard stories in the news when elderly people who live on their own have a fall in their home, a physical, literally, they have a fall, and no one knows. And they're on the floor sometimes for days till somebody discovers that they have fallen. That ought never to be in our community in a metaphoric sense. Uh, as the senior pastor, that would grieve my heart if someone in our community had fallen and nobody knew. And nobody knew. Th that's not community. That's something else. 
And I want us to work really hard that we can be a community where we would all know someone in this family that would know if we fell. And I would want for each of us to feel confident that there is someone we could tell if we had fallen. When our marriage is on the rocks, when we lose our job and our finances are really tight. Let me ask you this question. Is there someone in our church you'd be confident to ask money from because you were in need? That's a really hard fall and a really humbling thing to do, to ask for help. But if we can't do that, it's in the book of Acts, right? People shared their resources. That's what communities. When you get a diagnosis of cancer, do you have someone that you would be confident to tell? That's the stuff we're talking about, when we fall. When we fall, I would love for our community to be characterized by the kind of help that we would all know someone who would be able to help us. And that we would be the kind of people that would always be willing to help if we ever heard that somebody had fallen in our community. That's one of the benefits. And that's one of the challenges for us to be that, those kinds of people that are willing to offer and willing, willing to provide help to others and who are also willing to ask. Because some of us are good to offer help to others, but we don't want them to know when we have fallen. We want to pretend that we're invincible. We want to pretend that we don't need anybody. You need my help, but I don't really need your help. I'm good. I, I, you can't do life on your own, but hey, I can. I want to encourage us to, to lean into this idea of community that we can be a place of help. The second benefit of community the writer talks about is intimacy. He says in verse 10, if either, uh, sorry, uh, in verse 11, also if two lie down t- together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Now, this is not about having an electric blanket or a nice doona and you can be warm by yourself. This speaks of intimacy, of deep relationship. The, the image that the writer has for all of these scenarios are of two people on a journey together, travelers who are journeying together. And so on the road, if somebody trips and falls, you've got somebody there, a buddy, to pick you up. And on the road, when you get to the end of the day and you need to sleep out in the open and you're in the elements and it's cold outside, you need body heat to keep you warm. That speaks of closeness and intimacy and vulnerability. You see, that's the second really important thing for us to keep in mind as a community because there's no way people are going to ask for help if we don't create a safe community where there is no condemnation, where there is no judgment, where there is no gossip. We will kill the first thing if we don't do the second thing well. Whereas if we create a place where people can pour out their hearts to us, where people can be real, where people can be transparent, where people can be genuine, and people can say, hey, I'm really struggling in my faith. I'm really questioning, you know, if God really loves me. I'm I'm questioning some of those things that I've always believed. If people can do that and feel safe and feel loved and feel accepted and feel welcomed in that space, that's when they'll tell you when they'll fall. That's when they'll tell you before they fall. And that's when they'll tell you after they've fallen so hard that they don't even think that there's a way back. But it takes intimacy. It takes accountability. It takes being real. It takes being transparent, which is why 
in our connect groups, we drill that to our connect group leaders over and over and over again. We want connect groups to be a safe place where people can share anything, knowing that they will be loved and prayed for and cared for and supported and encouraged. Don't we all want that? Isn't that what we all long for, to be really known, to feel so safe? to feel so secure, to feel so loved and accepted that we can air out our dirtiest laundry because we know that it won't matter, that we'll be loved anyway. You know, there was a show uh, in the, I think it was the late 80s, 90s called Cheers. I don't know if you ever remember that. Anybody remember the show Cheers? Do you remember the theme song? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. And that was talking about a pub. (laughs) But wouldn't it be amazing if that described our church? I think that'd be pretty awesome. Now, again, let's be real. The bigger we get, the harder that becomes to know everybody's name. But let's make it our priority that at least one person, and hopefully more, know your name. That everybody is known by at least one other person in our church. And I don't mean, oh, I know you by name, but really known. By at least just one. That would be awesome. So that no one ever has to feel all alone. Intimacy. The third, the third thing he mentions is this idea of protection. Verse 12, he says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And that's what happened to the guy on the road to Jericho, right? He didn't have somebody else watching his back. And you know that if you watch any nature documentary where there's animals killing other people, what do the predators do? They isolate. Always isolate. And they go for the weaklings. They go for the sick. They go for the injured. They go for the ones on the margins the unprotected ones. And God says, that's not good. When you're alone, you're easy picking. When you're isolated, you're an easy target. But Christian community should not be that. Should be a place where somebody has your back. Somebody has your back. Somebody's praying for you. You're praying for someone. You're praying for a whole bunch of people. You're praying with people. But you've got their back that you're not stabbing them in the back. You're looking out for them. You notice when they're not there, when they're not at Connect Group, when they're not at church, and you don't just notice, you actually ask the questions. Let me ask you some hard questions. Who do you have in your life that asks you the questions you don't want anybody to ask you? Who's got your back spiritually? Who's going to love you enough to speak the truth in love to you? Who's going to hold you accountable? Who's going to help you Deal with that niggling sin that you've been battling with that nobody knows about. Who do you feel safe to be able to confess that to and say, I'm really struggling with this sin and I have been for years and I'd love for you to pray with me so that I can overcome it. Who's in your corner? And who are you doing that for? Who are you coming alongside and say, brother, I've got you. I'm going to be praying for you and if there's anything you want to talk about, I'm here. No judgment. I'm going to listen. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask you the hard questions. I'm going to tell you the truths that you, you, know, you don't want to hear, but I love you, and I'm 
doing this with you, and we're going to grow together in Christ. Protection, that we're looking out for each other. So those are the benefits, right? Now, when you, when you understand that, that God brings us from all different cultures, all different backgrounds, all different social stratas and all kinds of interests and passions and preferences and all of that together and says two are better than one. And this is what you can know. You can know a community where people will always be there to help you, whether it's from moving house to dealing with the worst thing that life has thrown at you. You're not alone. I'm going to put you in a community where you will be really known, not because of your fake Sunday smile and your, you know, your, your pretend Christian life, but they really know you. They know you Monday to Saturday. They know you warts and all, and they love you anyway. And I'm going to put you in a community where somebody will always have your back. Somebody will always be thinking of you and praying for you and wanting to encourage you and support you and stand with you and challenge you and smack you upside the head when you need it because that's part of their job in protecting you from the lies and the temptations of the enemy and telling you that thing you're about to do, that is the dumbest thing I think you've ever done in your life, so don't do it. And then the writer finishes off by saying, you know what, there's more. If one is bad and two is good, then three is even better. And he finishes with this statement, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, a lot of people have applied that to, to Jesus. But basically what he's saying is, the more people you have in relationship with you doing this stuff for you, the better it is. But the Bible does say, Matthew 18, Jesus did say that, you know, and Rohan alluded to it, where two or three of my people are gathered, I'm in their midst. And that's the amazing, unique thing about Christian community, that Christ is in the very middle of it all. And so in one sense, we, we're never alone. We're never like the writer of Ecclesiastes. We're never in that miserable, meaningless place of being completely alone because Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And even if, and Lewis referred to that, even if your own mother abandons you, I will not forsake you. So we're never alone. But beyond that, there's this incredible idea that when, when two brothers and two sisters and our connect groups and whoever gets together for a coffee or a meal or have you in our home or whatever it is, Jesus is there in a very real way. I think sometimes we don't actually believe that to be true. And I want to challenge you as a community as we wrap up to have that mindset. Whenever you get together with a brother, whenever you get together with a sister, whenever you get together with other believers, Jesus is right there. Expect Him to turn up. Expect Him to speak through your words. Expect when you pray for each other that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be there to, to impact you in that moment. Let's believe for that because that's what God wants us to experience. That's what Jesus came to do, to bring us into community for us to be in Christ together, and He gave us the Holy Spirit to make that real. So let's believe for that and pray for that and expect that and desire that. My last illustration is bringing that together. The story in Luke 24 of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It was a difficult time. Jesus had just died. They've got all these questions. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. They're trying to make sense of it all. 
And they're on a journey, just like the writer of Ecclesiastes is envisioning. They're on a journey, but they're on a journey together. They're not walking alone. And Jesus turns up. He walks with them. And he begins to teach them the Scriptures. And it says that their hearts were burning when Jesus was talking to them about the Scriptures. And they have the Lord's Supper. They eat together with Jesus. And they, and they remember Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus is gone. But they were so profoundly impacted that they hurry back and tell everybody else what Jesus did when they gathered together. That's my prayer for us. Wouldn't that be awesome? When we gather together, that Jesus turns up whether it's in a group this big, whether it's just two of us, whether it's in our connect groups, whatever the context where we gather together, Jesus is so there that our hearts are burning, coming alive to His Word, and we're so profoundly impacted that we want to tell others about what Jesus did when we met together. That would be awesome. And that's what I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And just take a moment to just sit with God and allow Him to speak to your heart. Father God, I thank you because this whole idea of community is your idea. Lord, your desire was not for any of us to be alone. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you brought us into your body, into the church, into a community, Father, that is united in Christ to, into a community that has received the same baptism, the same forgiveness, the same grace, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians. And Father, I pray for us as a church, particularly in this season of scatteredness and isolation, Father, that we would extend our circles of love. Lord, that we would grow in our ability to, to give and receive love from each other. Father, that we would be more deliberate and more intentional. Lord, that we would invest energy and time into being the kind of community that you envisage for your people to be. Lord, a place of safety, a place of openness and transparency, a, a place of giving and receiving help a place where it is better to be in community, that we would reap a rich reward, Father, even in spite of the challenges and difficulties. And Lord, we pray for those who are watching online, uh, who are not able to be here, Lord, that they would also sense, Lord, the incredible gift of them being a part of this broader community of PCC. And Lord, that we would be able to reach out to one another Lord, we don't know how long it's going to be before we can meet together again. But Lord, in the in-between times, through our connect groups, through personal contact and phone calls and coffees and visiting and having people in our, in our homes, that we would foster this spirit of being your people together. 
and that we would know Jesus among us and that we would be changed and that we would tell everybody of how awesome you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.